everybody. This is uh, BitViper, and I'm here to talk to you today about something a little different than uh, just pure Linux, even though that's good, good stuff. Um, I'm here to talk about something interesting that on the hardware side that could really help you out. For example, uh, if you've ever wanted to hack around with hardware and maybe make an alarm, sorry, a clock, alarm clock, or an, uh, talk to an LCD screen, or make your own MP3 player or a robot or something like that. Um, you really, you've been limited kind of to with uh, just using a computer to get that done. And that's kind of lame because a computer is, you know, expensive, big, power hungry and all that. So wouldn't it be nice if there was a cheap version of a computer that you can program that can do everything you need it to do to make the clock or the MP3 player, whatever project it is you want to make. Um, so there turns out to be such a device and that's called a microcontroller. So a microcontroller is, the best way to explain it is what it isn't, and that's a microprocessor by itself. Um, everyone knows uh, like a penny or something doesn't do much by itself. You have to give it uh, RAM, you have to give it a hard drive or a floppy disk or something to boot off of. Um, you have to give it <coughs> um, maybe a USB chip or something and or a network chip or whatever. You know, you got to keep surrounding it with different components until you get what you need. Uh, which is good because that gives you the freedom to actually choose what you want. And indeed, uh, electrical engineers, when they make little uh, embedded devices like a like the WRT54G or um, you know down there anything else that uh, uses some sort of computer inside, they generally will use a microprocessor that does exactly what they want. You know the speed and has the features they need, and then they'll buy exactly the memory they need. Uh, speed and size as well and so forth so you can really dial in exactly what you want uh, your system to do and only pay for what you use um, that's well and good for you know if you got the abilities to do that however me I'm, uh, I'm actually a mechanical engineer so I know a little bit about electrical but not a lot so uh, I sure could use all the help I could get so that's why microcontrollers are so nice because what a microcontroller is it's a, a chip that has a microprocessor inside but it also has uh, a lot of the other things that you need to make it a full running system, like you know, flash rem memory for the program to be stored on, maybe some EEPROMs, like a little mini hard drive kind of thing. Um, uh, even things like uh, input-output pins, which you can use to either sense or control things with, um, you know, and, and tons of other things. So, what's nice is that you can uh, you know find the microcontrollers all there's all kinds, and you can find one that has the speed and the resources and features you need. And instead of costing <coughs> as much as a computer or all the other separate components like an electrical engineer would use, it costs like a couple bucks. Uh, maybe as much as $10 if you get like a super mega powerful one with tons of pins and RAM, RAM and uh, flash and all that. But generally, you could probably get by with a 2 or $3 model. I use the AT Mega 64 myself, um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's where a microcontroller is. It's got everything built in, so you don't have to buy the... Uh, uh, different parts and figure out how to wire it before you can even get started with the program. It's already ready to go. So uh, there's two. There's all kinds of companies that make microcontrollers. You know, Hitachi makes them, Siemens makes them. <coughs> Excuse me, have a cold. Um, however, there are those are generally more uh, specialized. They have a specific purpose to exist. Uh, maybe they're used in cars, or maybe they're used in other you know environments where they have some features that you generally wouldn't need. So. There are two companies, though, that make more of a generic catch-all processor or microcontroller. The first is Microchip, 
the company. Uh, they make the PIC processor, which has been around a long time, and it's got a lot of support and uh, a lot of uh, community you know following around it. And uh, the other one is sort of newer, and that's the AVR chipset, and it's made by a company called Atmel, which you might have heard of. They make a lot of flash memory and other products, so uh, kind of made sense for them to start one up. Actually, they bought the design from somebody else, but anyway, that's they make the uh, uh, AVR series of microchips. Now, there's a big debate. If you go Google and look up like AVR versus PIC or something like that, you'll see all kinds of lively debates by people, you know, saying, oh, mine's better, no, mine's better, mine's cheaper, mine's got more feet, whatever. Um, and I don't really have the data to tell you which one is better. I do have some small things I know about that kind of suggest AVR might be a little better, but, you know, who knows? I, uh, I can't really tell you for sure what's better and what's not. Uh, the only reason I use the AVR series is because a friend of mine happened to have an AVR development kit which allowed me to program a chip and actually test it right on the development board. Um, and so that's why I got started with it. Turns out that AVR series has some other neat features I learned later. That I, and so I'm glad I, stay, I started with it. But, you know, I'm sure PIC does just fine. Uh, you might have a friend that knows how to do PIC processors, and it probably would make sense to, to learn those as well. Um, so anyway, I'm not going to say either one's better, but I am going to talk more about the Atmel version of the AVR series, because that's all I know. So... If you want to get started with any of this, it's actually with the, so no more pick talk, I'm just going to talk about AVRs. Uh, if you want to get started with this, you don't have to buy anything, actually. You can go to atmel.com, I'm going to step through it right now, and I'll probably put a link up uh, if I remember. If you go to atmel.com, at the top you can click on products, and then in the upper left you see microcontrollers, 8-bit risk, click on that, and then you're in the 8-bit uh, microcontroller section, and you can look at devices, you can look at the instruction set, the different commands it understands. You can look at the, you click on devices and you can see all the different kinds of chips in this family. Now let's back up a minute because uh, what, what's an 8-bit chip? What's a 32-bit chip? That was an option as well. You know, what's all the difference here? And the difference is uh, an 8-bit chip uh, works with variables that are 8-bit uh, large or byte. So it can only add, you know, two 8-bit uh, uh, numbers together because its registers inside, which are used to do addition, subtraction, and all the other commands, are only 8 bits wide. So that means you can only go, 8 bits is, uh, you can go from 0 to 255 decimal with 8 bits. So that kind of is lame because if you write a program and you need to go past 255 with a variable, what do you do? Well, what you end up doing actually is you use more than one register to sh uh, store the variable. If you want to make a 16-bit number, which can go up to, what is it, uh, <laughs> I forgot, I think it's like 65,000 or something. I'm going to say 2 to the 16. Yeah, 65,000. Uh, so that's a decently big number. If you want to make a 32-bit number that goes up to 4 billion, you can. The way you do it is you break it up. Let's talk about a 16-bit number for a second. What you do is you take the first 8 bits uh, from the left. That's the most significant bits because they're more. They're, they're, there's a, uh, it's a larger number on the left side. It's more significant. You put that in one register, and then you take the rightmost 8 bits and put that in another register. And so say you want to increment that variable. Well, you increment the, the lower the least significant register and but then you have to test to see if there was an overflow if it was all at one 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 you know eight ones and then you increment it then it goes to, it overflows to zero 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 so uh, you need to look for that you need to actually see after you increment the first part if there was an overflow and if so then you need to increment the other number uh, the, the, the other register the most significant one so that's and then you can take that all the way up to 32 bit 64 bit 
But what's interesting about that is that it takes more instructions to work with a 32-bit number as an, or a 16-bit number because instead of just incrementing the number, you'd have to increment the lower byte, then check the for overflow, and then do an if statement. And if there was an overflow, then do another command, which is to increment the upper register. So it takes a few different uh, instructions. Uh, that contrasts with a 32-bit register uh, where you can have all <laughs> the entire 32-bit number in one register and you can increment it you can you know subtract and all that and you don't have to worry about overflow except if you get up to 4 billion or whatever 32 bits gives you so that's the difference between uh 32 bit and 8 bit generally i imagine there's more but uh that's the, the the basic difference so why do people use 8 bit processors though if you have this problem going to 255 and all these workarounds well it turns out that uh there's a nice shortcut and <laughs> we'll get to that in a second but if you're going to do it all in assembly uh, then you have to do it manually. You have to, uh, you know, increment one, do a check, and all that stuff. And so you got to make sure that you're uh, using it um, correctly. Uh, make sure you don't have overflows without knowing about it. Okay, so that's what a 32-bit versus 8-bit processor is. Um, I'm not sure what other things they do, but that's the main thing I know. Okay, so uh, anyway, if you wanted to play around with, uh, you know, playing with these things, you can actually go to atmel.com like I said, and go to products, 8-bit, uh, risk chips. And then you can go to tools and software, which is about halfway down the gray menu. And then you got a whole bunch of things you can download. And uh, at the top, you can see uh, a development kit. Development kit has a link. You can click on that, and it takes you down to the, uh, uh, where to go? You might have to go a little bit, AVR Studio. Uh, so AVR Studio is the program you use in Windows. Uh, you, there are options for Linux, but... Uh, uh, AVR Studio works, and it, it, I think it works in Wine as well. The older version did for sure, uh, 3.5 something. But anyway, so AVR Studio, what that does is it gives you an IDE, a, a development environment where you have, uh, you know, where you can write your program in assembly, and then you can actually step through it line by line and watch it uh, run. And you can see the very the registers of the microcontroller, and you can see what's happening to them line by line. So it's really neat just to download an assembly program and just step through it with this tool. You learn quite a bit, uh, and then you can start tweaking it and uh, playing and making your own thing. And you can also look at the pins. If you have input-output pins, which most of the chips do, you can control. You can say whether or not the pin is an input or an output. If it's an input, you can actually read it. Uh, it's a certain kind of register, and you can look to see if it's one or zero, and uh, that means if there's five volts or not, or zero volts. And then you could do something based on that. If it's an output, you can actually push a value to it. Uh, a one or a zero. If it's one, then it's high. That means it's five volts. If it's zero, then it's low, of course. So uh, you can control the pins and you can look at their status in this environment, the AVR Studio environment as well. So uh, really useful, a uh, ton of fun, and it's completely free. So I know uh, just aside for the PIC processor, I believe they have an assembler as well that does pretty much the same thing. So Anyway, assembling is, assembler is uh, good to start with with these microcontrollers because you're right at the hardware level. Uh, you can you, you generally in the beginning of a program you write to some specific registers to say how you want the processor to uh, behave. For example, you can say whether or not you want to use interrupts or if you're going to use a counter. If you're going to use a counter, uh, how you want the counter to behave. All these kind of initialization kind of things, and you can see examples of that. Uh, just for fun, I'll tell you about what a counter is in case you don't know. Uh, generally, you know, if you have a program and it's doing its thing, it's going through some infinite loop because you don't want it to stop, you want it to keep going forever, uh, <clears throat> you might want to interrupt it at certain times. Uh, perhaps like if you make a clock, like I did, 
you might want to interrupt every second and have it force it to go to the increment second function. So, uh, yeah, so you increment the seconds to keep things accurate or the time accurate. So you can make a counter that counts up and then uh, when as soon as it gets to a certain number or if it overflows or something, it can actually uh, make an interrupt which forces a procedure, an interrupt procedure to be yanked, uh, started. And uh, so it's neat because you can actually have the counter count clock cycles. And if you know how fast the clock is, say it's an eight megahertz clock, eight million ticks per second, then you can have a counter that does, uh, that counts to eight million. And then we'll tell you when it gets there and then it'll generate the interrupt. So that's an example of what a counter is. Uh, you can also have interrupts uh, like on the input output pins. Uh, so if a pin goes high, it, uh, it generates an interrupt. Uh, or you can just simply pull it, meaning uh, you're looking at the pin intentionally and say, hey, is this pin high or low yet? I don't want it to interrupt me. I just want to check it right now. Uh, so there's tons of different little features. Uh, so it's neat because the, the counter is like a separate thing running at the same time as your program. So it's like a little parallel circuit. It's kind of neat. Uh, and, you know, there's other things. There's a, one other thing I want to talk about is the stack. Uh, in its memory, all these chips have uh, flat or regular memory like uh, SRAM very fast you know it, it goes away when you turn it off but it's very useful very fast when it's running um, and the end uh, so it has only so much memory and you know you work from the top down when you put variables into memory if you're not if the, you know you're not doing it you don't always have to put variables in the registers you can push them onto the memory uh, but you can also uh, if you want to be able to do functions so in other words you want to call a function and then be able to have the function return you back to where you called it from like a uh, like any language does <clears throat> then you need to activate what's called a stack. And what that means is it uses the bottom of the SRAM memory to keep pointers of uh, uh, where the instruction uh, uh, the instruction pointer is pointing at before it goes off to the function that you ask it to go to. So when the function's done, it tells it to go to the stack to find the pointer that it stored before it went to the function so it can you know, put that into the <laughs> um, instruction pointer register gets you back to where you were. So it saves its location is what the stack's for. So that, that's neat for functions, for re returning from functions, and that's how that works. So it's all an assembly. Uh, you can do any of these things. And I really recommend it because you learn about all the initialization things and you understand how what abilities it has and uh, very useful. But eventually you're going to get tired of assembly because anyone who's ever programmed it knows that it's very actually, it's actually very easy. Like an instruction could be as simple as put this number in, in register one, put this number in register 2 and then then do an add instruction where it adds R1 and R2 and it puts the result in say R1 whatever um, you know this is really easy stuff <laughs> uh, so it's generally not that hard to learn the real challenge is to understand how to take these very basic elementary steps and combine them to do some uh, actual uh, uh, useful stuff so you know, with an assembly, it's kind of hard. If you do really complicated if statements with lots of ors and ands, and it just gets kind of pain in the butt to change things. Uh, it's fast because you're controlling the hardware directly, and you can uh, you can make sure it doesn't do anything extra you don't want it to do. But again, it's uh, I mean, it runs fast, but it's slow to program. So, of course, we have these high-level languages like C, um, and it turns out that you can actually get a C compiler for the AVR for both families actually. Um, you can buy a, a basic compiler, I believe, called Basco. I never used it uh, for the AVR. And you can even buy a C compiler, I forget from where, for some amount of money. But I'm not sure why you do that, because there's actually a free C compiler for the AVR. 
chips. And this is why I, I'm really glad I stayed with, or I started with AVR. I'm still using it because when I learned about it, I just completely, I couldn't believe it. Because some of these compilers could cost like a thousand bucks or like $500 per year, uh, or, you know, things like that. So they get really expensive because it saves you a lot of time. Uh, it takes a lot of work to make a compiler. But anyway, the free compiler for the AVR, you can find at, uh, a, uh, sorry, WinAVR, as, as kind of like Windows AVR, WinAVR.SourceForge.net. And uh, you can download it there. And what that is, is they've actually taken the, G, the, the GCC, the compiler for, you know, you use Linux, and they've made a library, a libc library for uh, the AVR series that understands the instructions that are available and can move around it. Um, and you can actually compile C right there for free. Uh, and it works great. It's not hard to use at all. There's a couple demo programs to get started when you download it. And it, it does, uh, how do you run GCC on Windows? Well, it, it kind of uses SIGWIN, which allows you to do uh, Linux stuff. So they've packaged SIGWIN and it together. Uh, in a way that allows you to, you actually don't see a prompt, it just does it in the background after you take your program and say compile, it just calls it and tells you if there's an error or not, if there's not, you get a assembly program that can be uh, burned or actually, uh, that's not the term, a compiled object or, I don't know, uh, just a file that you can uh, then copy onto the chip and run. So, very cool, uh, it saved me a lot of time. Uh, one example was I was making a machine uh, that required, or I was making a, a coiling machine and it had to have an LCD screen so you could read uh, what stage it was at on the coiler. And so I wanted to actually t uh, communicate with the LCD screen. Uh, it's just four lines of text, you know, it's a very basic thing like you see on an alarm system or something like that. Um, <clears throat> however, it's a pain in the ass because you have to know how it works, what the instructions are to control the LCD screen and so forth. Well, it turns out that, you know, they're all kind of standard, so someone just decided to write a library for it. You include that, and then you can just simply say put S parentheses and quotes and hello. And that's it. That's like the entire thing right there. And you uh, hook up the LCD to the right pins. Uh, you can define the pins in a header file of which, uh, which pins you're using. And it works. It was amazing. I actually set aside a couple of weeks to learn how to do it until I found out about that library. And of course, there's all these other libraries, like serial port libraries, to make everything easy to do. Uh, that's the beauty, beautiful, beautiful thing about C uh, on AVRs is they have all these libraries, and it's just gorgeous. So uh, props to these guys. They've done a great job. Of course, you can run uh, this stuff in Linux as well. Uh, you just don't use the Sigma part. You can uh, use a uh, tool chain that's made for Linux to compile for cross compile for the microcontroller, the AVR series. So uh, I just really I couldn't believe how easy it was to use and how amazing and free. So again, still haven't paid for anything except a couple devices, um, which cost me about three bucks or each or so. Oh, and a development board. Um, and you can get the development board from AppNow if you go back to uh, uh, where was it? Tools, I guess, and uh, development kit. And you'll see one of the options around there is as uh, STK 500, and that's uh, if you click on that link, you'll and I'll try to put all these links in the uh, show notes if I remember. I'm kind of sick, so I might not do it tonight. But um, this is the night before the show. <laughs> I left it to the last minute. But uh, you can actually get this little development board that has all these different socket sizes for all the different size AVR chips. You can program all these different kinds of chips and it even has some lights and some headers to help you connect directly from the chip to some stuff you're playing with that you're testing. So you can do you can just keep the chip in the development board and run the program right on the development board and uh, play with it that way until you're ready to make your own circuit board. Okay, so anyway, um, 
I thought I'd give away one of my programs. Uh, I actually, way back when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, I went to San Francisco. I was born and raised in Oakland. Um, went to San Francisco and went to the nature company there, this little store, and they had this sweet clock. It's called the Alien Clock, and it basically, it basically tells time in patterns of light. And so uh, I loved it. I was like, this is so cool, but it was $100. And it, by the way, you can actually now, I didn't know this at the time, but you can go to alienclock.com. I don't know when the site went live, but you can see what I'm talking about. It's patterns of light. It's not like a binary clock. I've seen those around. I don't like those because that takes too long to read. But the, 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 the alien clock has patterns of light, so it's actually easier to read. Uh, I can read it in a second or so. Um, so I didn't have access to that at the time. Oh, so I saved up my money, 100 bucks. <laughs> I mowed a few lawns, went back there, and they were discontinued. So I didn't have any place to buy it from. I was really bummed. So I've always had that in the back of my head. I really want a clock that looks like that. Well, finally, when I heard about these these microcontrollers, I said, well, now's my chance. I can make a circuit board with LEDs on it and, uh, and then uh, make a little bracket to mount it in so it stands up on your desk. And uh, because I didn't have this clock in front of me, I made my own pattern of light, my own configuration. And it turns out, actually, it's a little more efficient than the one, <laughs> the professional one. You can actually uh, read fewer lights to get the time. Anyway, uh, so I'll release the uh, the... the circuit board um, spec as well as the uh, source code, the schematics for it so you can see what lines up with what. It's very, very basic. Uh, by the way, I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm not an electrical guy. I know very little bit, about, very little about uh, electronics. So I know how to turn a light on with a light, with a uh, input-output pin uh, using a transistor. There's very basic circuits that do that or control a motor with a relay, uh, things like that. Um, really not much to learn after that. So. Uh, there's a couple of uh, schematics you can find how to control stuff with microcontrollers and there's very well-known methods to do so. So just go dig them up and use them and you don't have to be a professional electrical engineering. Okay, so <coughs> excuse me. finally let's uh, talk about some links. Again, we talked about atmel.com. That's where you can uh, download uh, the assembler that allows you to step through it. Um, and then you can go to uh, other areas to download um, if you go to data sheets on the AVR 8-bit part, you can download all the instructions and learn all the different instructions you can run on these chips. Some of them have more instructions than others, but in general, they're pretty much the same across the entire family. So you don't have to relearn it for different chips, which is nice. Um, uh, finally, uh, winavr.sourceforge.net. Uh, one other thing, uh, not only can you compile and see uh, with that the winavr, but you can also run GDB, the, the debugger, which is useful if you want to. If your program's not doing what you want, and you want to step through it and look at variables change one by one and add breakpoints and all these other things, you can load, you can run your program in the debugger, and so that's very powerful too. Gives you nice tools to check things, uh, figure out what's wrong. Uh, website I go to a lot is avrfreaks.com. Unfortunately, it's pretty uh, graphic heavy. It takes a while to load, even on a cable modem. But you know, there's a forum. Uh, we can ask questions. Uh, there's a subform for regular AVR discussion, 8-bit, as well as uh, GCC AVR. So if you have uh, C compiler questions, you can look them up there. Do a search first. And uh, let's see. I think that's pretty much all I got to say on it. Uh, again, very cheap hobby to get into. Uh, don't have to be professional electrical stuff. Uh, very useful. I've made a lot of things. I've made a lot of machines, robots to produce things for a company I work for and um, you don't have to be a genius to do it. It's all inside the microcontroller and uh, using C, compiling C is just 
uh, very helpful. All right, so I hope that was interesting, and maybe a few people take a look at that. And uh, uh, again, I'm pretty sick tonight. I don't know if I'll get around to actually doing the links and the source code and all that tonight, but I probably will put it up tomorrow, uh, the 20th of March, uh, midday or something like that. So please check back, and you should see everything I promised you here. Um, anyway, so uh, that's another Hacker Public Radio show. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.